0: Thank you. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Bob Z Uncut Community Views, the podcast where we're going to give it to you with integrity and we're going to give it to you uncut. You're not going to see this on none of the networks, so don't even try. You just have to go in and click on the link because they're not going to show this on network news. Well. And, and that's not a bad thing. We're going to keep it 100. Uh, we have a very special guest, very, very, very special guest here. Um. Uh, just a little background, she didn't know I was gonna, gonna spring this on her. Oof. We we met uh on Facebook. Yes, we did. For a mutual friend it was Kurt Hogan. Uh and
1: Rowena, you know Rowena?
0: Rowena Rowena Johns. Yep. Yes. So we met and the thing that I, I remember us we, we would cry together over Hillary. And <laughs> so, you know, we uh we we, we went back and then um you know, we got, you know different issues would come up, and we we like share a little comments and stuff. But uh, now she, she she's become a delegate, and now she's running for lieutenant governor, the second highest uh, office in the state in the Commonwealth, the state of Virginia. And I like to welcome Hala Ayala to our show. Thanks, Bob Z and Uncut.
1: <laughs> and oh, by the way, when we were talking about Hillary, I had the ugly cry. You know, the Hillary, know, you know, man. the cry that we were in fetal position, tears were running down my eyes. It was pretty ugly.
0: I was sick as a dog, man. I, I, people thought I had just left the earth. I wouldn't talk to anyone. I, I just, I, I went, <laughs> You got checked out. I cut everybody off. Oh, that was trauma. Yeah. That was trauma. No, I
1: mean, I mean, I know that's not what we're here to talk about, but this right. was just really something that should be, you know, pressed upon about why voting matters. People mm-hmm. were saying oh, my vote doesn't count, right, right. or democracy, she's going to win,
0: right? you yeah, know, yeah.
1: play around, you get your feelings hurt,
0: I know, so let's, let's get on with the interview, uh, my first question is, and and I've been watching your um, political career, and I would, mm-hmm. I would call it a meteoric rise, I mean, it's well. been like, boom, she on the scene now, you know, we can't, we can't stop her, well. so, um. Uh, I'm just impressed, and uh, can you tell our viewers and our listeners,
1: because mm-hmm.
0: we have viewers and listeners, uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, and we, we're all over the um, various platforms, and so we have uh, a lot of different people that are watching, and um, who is Hala Ayala, and what made you get involved with the political world, and uh, also, uh, what have you discovered about the political arena, I hear it's, it's kind of a blood sport out hmm. there. Hmm.
1: Well, you can't tell all the secrets, Bob, you know. <laughs> you know, I started out my life, my, before I even got into politics, you know, lot, my father was murdered when I was two. Oh, no. Um, my mother suffered from trauma, you know. When we talk about the struggle, it was real, because she found out that my father had passed away by reading his obituary in the newspaper. They didn't even bother to give us a call. Wow. Um, and then... You know, we grew up, my, you know, we were standing sometimes in food lines, depending on family. You know, my mother was wondering how she was going to keep a roof over her head and food on the table for mm-hmm. her, for me and my sister. And you fast forwarded, and I thought life or this vicious cycle was going to repeat itself. And I was working at a gas station. You may have seen the story, making minimum wage, no health care, no safety net, and it, it It was essentially, you know, um, I almost died having my son. I I got pregnant with my son during that time, planning a family, and I didn't have health care, you know, and Medicaid saved my life. But the fear I had as an Afro-Latina woman of color that I was giving birth to my black son, and we were going to be a, a statistic because... If you look at the trajectory of my life, Mm -hmm. you are seeing the tone set up. You know, we were already, you know, not only being a woman, a woman of color, but economically challenged, right? And these lived experiences. You know, when I decided to run for delegate, you know, I was talking to voters, I was taking my lived experiences, why Medicaid expansion would matter, why equal work for equal pay would matter, why, after, you know, I've found my career in cybersecurity, mm. and that's a whole other journey. But, it, you know, running for lieutenant governor is definitely planting siege for the future because I'm a firm believer of you can't be what you can't see, and I didn't see people that look like me in right, higher office. Right, so right. my journey when you talk about, like, who am I, how did I get my start, and even, you know, just, you know, how, you know, I'm I'm walking. If you'd have told me two decades ago I'd be standing here with you talking about this or be on the stage with the President of the United States or running for statewide office, respectfully, I told you you were nuts.
0: Right, right. Well, um, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. I'm going to use my my constitutional voice here. (coughs) The official responsibilities of Virginia's (laughs) Lieutenant Governor are set forth in Article 5, of the Constitution of Virginia. According to the Constitution of Virginia, the lieutenant governor's official duties are to serve as president of the Senate and to preside over the Senate, other than the official verbiage. Now, I'm, I'm off of that now, okay? Mm. Uh,
1: that was quite constitutional.
0: Thank you, I tried to do my best. Uh, I taught political science, so you know. Mm, invoking it. Invoking mm-hmm. my, uh, you know, channeling my uh, poli-sci uh, skills. Yes. Um, how do you see the importance of? Because a lot of people downplay that, as far, you know. But how do you see the importance of uh, this office?
1: It's unfortunate that you know they downplay it because if they didn't know that our current lieutenant governor has broken fifty-two votes.
0: Mm.
1: He was tiebreaker for fifty-two votes in his four-year career. To me, that's a lot statistically. Secondly when important issues like Medicaid expansion, like Mm -hmm. teacher pay raises, criminal justice reform, and all of the things and progresses we have made, several of those key issues, the lieutenant governor was the tie-breaking voice for and vote for. And we have a slim Democratic majority sometimes on these issues, so that role is critical to Mm -hmm. our advancement. And I would say that as lieutenant governor me taking on this, I've got big shoes to fill, you know, and continuing to advance our, our progress and protect our progress, that this role is so critical. You know, Bob, I want to be the last woman in the room with the governor. That's Governor Terry McAuliffe. I'm going to claim it now. All right. And and talk about these very lived issues and those lived issues of the voters that I'm speaking to across the Commonwealth and bringing them in the room if you don't have a seat at the table, then you're on the menu.
0: Wow. I've heard that a time or two, and, and, and it, yes, sir. It, it serves to be um, true. And I'm, I'm really proud of, um, you, know, where, you know, the progress that you've made and, and even the effort because I think one of the things that a lot of people don't run, don't get involved in politics just based upon, you know, what they may have heard, the negativity, but we need more people like yourself to step up, get involved, Involved, um, uh, I would do it myself, but I, I think I it would. Sounds last. like
1: we got a campaign, folks. I, I Here think we go. I would last a week, Bob Z uncut.
0: They, I would last a week, man. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, well, <laughs> I would last like one week anyway. But, uh, uh, okay, getting back to, to you, get off me, okay, getting serious. All right, uh, what are the top three issues mm-hmm. uh, facing the commonwealth, and where do you stand on them?
1: Well, I would say this, Bob, we have. A lot of issues that Virginians care about, but Mm -hmm. mostly I'm hearing about what's happening in Texas, what's happening in Florida, what was happening in Georgia. So for instance, you know, one, of course, is healthcare, and I equate uh, reproductive healthcare in that same conversation. So both healthcare and reproductive healthcare, for those who are listening, uh, we want to get out of this pandemic, COVID, and... We also want to make sure that we were protecting, uh, you know, our gun safety laws, that we were getting children back safely to schools. You know, folks get, vaccina- get vaccinated, you know, right. so that right. we are protecting the Commonwealth. Next, I would say that, again, on these key issues, we have to remind voters that everything is on the line this November because, again, the lieutenant governor mm-hmm. is that tie-breaking vote. Everything is going can be contingent on who sits in that seat. My opponent — I won't mention names, but my opponent believes that a pharmacist should be able to deny you contraceptives mm. simply based on their belief. This is how critical that November 2nd is of this year. And uh, Bob, democracy is not a spectator sport, so we have to get off the sidelines and make sure we vote. Like, all of these issues are on the line because they are.
0: Okay. Uh, well, this next question is, is, is a, it's sort of a piggyback, but yeah. it's in a, kind of a different direction. It's, uh, during the, the first 100 days, I asked you what were the, the top three issues, and sometimes they run hand-in-hand, hand, but sometimes we don't get a chance to, well, that may be the top three issues, but we might not get a chance to work on them. But the next, during the first 100 days of a new gubernatorial administration, where would the priorities be, and how? And you mentioned that you mm-hmm. gave a little. Like, how would they differ from your opponent? Um, and just I don't, I don't care. I'm gonna cut. Your opponent is from here. She's from um, this area, and I mean, as conservative as they come, and that's just that's not really my bag. Everybody who's who's watching and listening, they know that. But um, you know, so what? Um, how how would your priorities during the first 100 days? How would they differ from?
1: Well, I think, you know, as you alluded to earlier or mentioned earlier, you know, the issues that voters care about are the issues that I'm carrying with me to the Senate. Let me tell you that, you know, um, in the first hundred days, you know, we have to listen to not only as we're campaigning and talking to voters, you need to bring those voices to Richmond with you. Um, When I promised as a delegate that I would pass Medicaid expansion, Democrats delivered. I delivered on that promise when I said I was going to pass the equal rights amendment. You know, we're going to, uh, you know, tr- close the wage gap, raise the minimum wage. All of these very important issues. We did that. We delivered. Me and my opponent differ on all of the uh, just about all these issues, and I feel that she's quite too extreme for Virginia because she's not listening to them. You know, and and I would say this. Um, Bob, as I'm campaigning, lots of coffee is a part of that conversation. Um, I love the work that I do for service, changing Virginians' lives. And because Democrats have delivered and we have the majority, um, and this is what's on the line this November, we have been able to advance Virginia light years, removing Jim Crow laws Mm. from every system. We're not done yet. This was the floor, not the ceiling. But the progress that we have made... And when our fellow GOP members, like, when some serious, hey, the sky's going to fall, it's not falling.
0: Here's, my, here's, here's my, my greatest fear and my greatest joy, if, if you can believe that. Never in my life, you know, the progress and strides we've made probably over the last um, three administrations. <clears throat> well, yeah, I'd say, I say two and a half or three administrations. Um... I would never think that, you know, I mean, you know, from voting purple, going from, I, I mean, I, the first time I voted, it was in 1981. I'm giving away my age, but it was for Ronald Reagan. I wow. didn't vote for Ronald Reagan. No, he was on the really? ticket. That's okay. my first election was in 1981 um, or 1980, the um, the uh, election. Mm-hmm. And, and Ronald Reagan, he just, he won. And I was like. Oh, it's gonna be a long (laughs) life, man. (laughs) You know, yeah. And because Virginia was, I mean, it's like I just, I moved to DC. I mean, I just, I did not want to live in a in a red state. And that's before they been calling them red states and blue states. Mm -hmm. But I, I just remember that that time. I was like, man, it's gonna be tough. And so what we've done, I said all of that to say what we've done. I mean, over the last few years, I you couldn't you couldn't have told me. In my lifetime, that Virginia would, have, would be uh, on this progressive track. However, here's my thing one question I have. Virginia only allows one term for, for, to run for the consecutive, consecutively to run for governor to serve. Um, your running mate has returned for a second term. Uh, many people I've spoken to believe that one term is rather antiquated. And it's not saying nothing against um, Governor McAuliffe, but where are you on this issue? I think that, you know, that's like term limits on steroids. What can, I mean, you can get stuff done in four years, but I would like to see, and I don't know if, it would, you know, how, whatever moves we need to make, but I would support at least two terms for a governor. What do you stand on that?
1: Well, I will say this. Uh, you know, when Terry McAuliffe was in office the first time, he delivered. Maybe. And if he gets elected, and I'm sure he will be elected, he'll deliver again. I'll tell you a little anecdote about Terry. I canvassed for Terry the first time he ran for office and the second time. Why? Because I believe what he was fighting for. He was a brick wall for women's health care. He was a brick wall to help our schools and our teachers and our children. And he he is a governor that's gonna go down in history. He has has pardoned individuals, he has restored voting rights, to those who deserve, to over 200,000 Virginians. And the one thing that's personal about Terry that most voters don't know, and I'll share this with you, mm-hmm. and I've only shared it here. Okay. First time on Uncut. Breaking
0: news, breaking news.
1: Breaking news. <laughs> so the second time I was canvassing for Terry, and he doesn't know I'm going to share this, but I think you should really know how authentic, compassionate, that he is not only about this commonwealth, but about the people of the commonwealth. So I was canvassing, I left my house from February to, you know, election day. But during that time, um, I had fell and got a concussion in August of the 2013 year, his second run. I was graduating from college, from online schooling. Then towards the end of August, I didn't get to walk because my sister passed away. Oh wow. I did not, I could, thank you, I could not afford to take my children with me to Phoenix, Arizona, where she was. Mm. A family member came in and stayed with my children. Terry McAuliffe sent his staff to my house. They brought my children dinner and lunch every day, offered to take them to school. It gets no realer than that, Bob. Right. And, you know, this is why... I'm passionate about Terry. This is why I fight so hard or fought so hard by working, making sure he gets across the finish line. Now I am lucky enough to be on the ballot with Terry, and we both have to get across the finish line. Our Attorney General, Mark Herring, he's included in that conversation. Right,
0: right. Uh, One of the things that I wanted to uh, share, I guess, uh, we talked about... uh, Returning citizens is the term now that's used for. It used to be ex felons, and now Ooh. they call it, it's, it's returning citizens. And I had um, my job at that time was to um, the time you were speaking about when he was mm-hmm. doing the pardoning and and, um, and changing all the rules was was that uh, scratch back up. Okay, my job at that time was uh, as an employment specialist for the Second Chances program, and, and I was responsible for finding work. For uh, people who had just mm-hmm. come from being incarcerated and trying to uh, restoration of rights, I mean, when they, when it hit restoration of rights, that's another thing I never thought two hundred thousand. And then
1: they took him to court I to try that. to sue him for that, and he still won.
0: I remember, I remember that, but I just don't want, and this, like I said, this is one of my greatest worries that we've come such a long way. I don't want us to get complacent. And sometimes, and I'm looking around, and, you know, as 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 a journalistic uh, person, I look around and I see all these uh, yonking commercials everywhere. And I'm like, uh-oh, we got to we gotta do something. We got to do something. This guy's getting too much, you know. And so uh, then they had a poll that came out like two it days ago. It is a ago. close
1: election, Bob. I and mean, so- I feel you on that. Because as you're saying this, it invokes something in me that we're seeing play out about state legislatures that are also on the ballot this year, what's happening in Georgia, what's happening in Texas, how the Texas Democrats had to come to D.C. to lobby for
0: help. I remember, they left, they, they, they walked out of the, um, the house, I mean, the Capitol building in Texas, because they didn't want to, um, you know, vote. So they we don't want
1: to become, see that here right. in Virginia, and that's why, to your point, elections matter.
0: Mm. They do, they matter, they matter a lot, and, and one of the things, and I've been watching Virginia politics probably since I was like seven or eight years old, I was like the oddball watching the news, and everybody else was playing, and I was like, man, the news is on. And so I'm looking at it and I look at it, if, if I know uh, Nova is gonna come through, Hampton uh, Roads, Coast, well, Virginia, that's kind of <laughs> the, we, I mean, I, I always kind of like, we'll see Nova, we'll see Richmond, mm-hmm. we can like put them in the bank, boom. But Richmond and Northern Virginia. Well, we can't debate.
1: make assumptions because sometimes people were like, "Oh, we have an election? Didn't we just vote for the president?"
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: typically, and historically, the governor that is in the office is usually opposite of the party who's in the White House. Can- so this is why we have to show up and show out. <laughs>
0: you well, know I, what? I've never seen Richmond yeah. and Northern Virginia go anywhere in the last twenty years. You know. Well, so- we.
1: You know what? Look what happened to Hillary. She won parts of Virginia, granted, to your point. She but, won Richmond
0: and Northern Virginia. And she
1: did, but we have to show up in order for that to happen, right?
0: So everybody needs to come down here to Virginia Beach <laughs> and Chesapeake <laughs> and, and, and campaign, camp out of Virginia Beach and Chesapeake because Norfolk and Portsmouth and Newport News and Hampton are going to go Absolutely. blue. Absolutely.
1: We've been down here several times, so, yeah. You know, as you know, <laughs> and we take no voter for granted. It is, you know, you have to be able to... Let voters know and, and educate them who's on the ballot and why they, they need to support the Democratic ticket. That's a shameless plug, but I mean it. It's, nah, we got we to gotta do we, what we nah, got to do.
0: I'm on, I'm on the team. Uh, so, look, we're going to uh, take a break and go pay some bills. We're speaking with Hala Ayala. She's running for lieutenant governor Ooh. for the great Commonwealth of Virginia. We'll be back in two and two. Welcome to
1: Comedic Services, LLC. We provide supportive in-home and residential group home services in the Hampton Roads area, including Williamsburg, Franklin, Zuni, Tuano, and Southampton County. Our offices are located at 2428 Almeida Avenue, Suite 170 in Norfolk, Virginia, and at 601 North Mechanic Street in Franklin, Virginia. Cometic Services LLC is a Commission on Accreditation of Rehabilitation Facilities, CARF, Accredited Service. Our motto is fostering a culture of service and advocacy for humanity. I'm Hala Ayala. My story is a Virginia story. Night shifts, minimum wage, pregnant with no health care. But with a little help and a lot of hard work, I built a career and a middle class life. So when I got to Richmond, I made it my mission to ensure hardworking Virginians have that same opportunity. As Lieutenant Governor, I'll build on that record to attract more good paying jobs so every family thrives.
0: And welcome back with our special guest, Hala Ayala. She's running for lieutenant governor for the Great Commonwealth for Virginia. And um, we, we're putting our money on her, and I'm going to keep that uncut. I'm going to tell you the truth. But I don't know if I ever got an a answer for my last question. Do you support two terms for the governor, for a, a Virginia governor, as opposed to one?
1: You know what? I support what we have constitutionally. I think we need to listen to both sides of the argument. Bob, I always do my homework, right? Because Mm. we don't want any unintended consequences. But what I will tell you is that, you know, Terry will make history this November by being elected not only once, but he came back and he, he wants to do it again. He wants to continue the good work of Governor Northam.
0: Okay, all right, well, fair enough, fair enough absolutely um i like I, said, I, I feel that's a little bit you know I just personally uh we can we can agree to uh just agree, and so personally, um you know, I think it's a little you know eight four years it's not we can't just get enough time, you know that's just my own personal thing, and speaking of antiquated, here's another another one of our pet peeves. and on the last show, we got Senator Spur to admit. Uh, and his show is going to come out Wednesday. Everybody, check it out. It's, it's uh, he did the last show. That if his constituents uh, decide that they want to uh, take on this measure, that he was supported, He's the only senator that I've ever talked to. That well, day.
1: you have to know, as lieutenant governor, I don't get to make that decision. So oh, no, you know, no, yeah.
0: I'm not talking about this anymore. Oh, well, I'm moving t- on to the next. Oh, thing. okay. I left I left the. I left the um, you know uh for for and we'll you know we we'll okay. probably cut a little bit of that out, but um yeah, my next question is mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think that this may be uh the Commonwealth is one of seventeen states that still appoints its judges, yes, and so uh how do you feel about that? Do you think uh would you support a constitutional change? I believe that's what it would take mm-hmm. to uh uh elect our judges where we would um bring you know elect judges that come from the communities that, you know, they live in, as opposed to, you know, right now they don't have to, you know, be in that community. They could be, you know, it could be a favor for this person and mm-hmm. say, I've seen a little judge chessboard. It's almost, almost hey, I, used, I said it, it's uncut. But so would, would you support a constitutional change about that?
1: Well, let's talk about some logistics here. Mm-hmm. You see in the General Assembly, you know, judges were appointed this last General Assembly session. They were. And we appointed the most diverse group of individuals. So again, elections have consequences. When you talk about a constitutional amendment, there are two sides to that argument, Mm -hmm. right? And my job would be, as not only a legislator, is to listen to voters, but also listen to both sides of the argument Mm -hmm. and make an informed decision. But note that I, as lieutenant governor, can't bring that issue to the forefront, but... If it that. came to the floor, we would have those conversations, we would make an informed decision, and the only time I could vote is that if it was a tie,
0: so let's and say if it's it did come, I would <laughs> vote and
1: support it. Because look, I would say this: you know, if this is what our voters want, if this is what we come to do, you know, after first and foremost, Bob, this is the danger of the question that you ask, mm-hmm. because sometimes legislation, right isn't always what we think it is. So we have to make That's sure true. that we're doing our homework. So before I say, oh, yes, I would support it, that to me is speculating that everything is okay, A-okay mm. with the piece of legislation. So it's not that I'm not no, no, trying to I, be direct. I, I, no. I'm just trying I, to be, you know, informative to our community about how this process works.
0: Well, we, I think I'm just talking in theory, and yeah. in theory, where, and from my understanding of uh, the whole political process, anytime you can vote for something rather than something being appointed, I'm going to go on the side of votes. I mean, even if it's, you know, it might not be to, to my advantage, and I know, you know, all politics, but if it's a the, it's the democratic thing to do. And if I'm a to hold true to, um, to my democratic ideals, if, if you're saying, well, I, got, I can vote for a judge... Well, I can have someone appoint a judge. You know, I, I, guess, I don't know. Like I said, we're... You just, have
1: to look at both. Like, and I don't mean what's to... What's the other side of the argument? You know, I don't mean to minimalize, minimalize the, the argument of, by using my analogy. I just want to make that clear before somebody starts to... No, no, no. But I, I just want you to see that voters are having a voice as their, 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 their representatives whom they also elected... Are taking a vote on judges, right? And, and how we appoint them. Mm-hmm. Now, the Democrats, again, we have made progress have. this year. That wouldn't have been possible if we didn't have the majority. So I always say assess, reassess, and then make an informed decision.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, normally, I mean, our representatives vote on stuff every all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's their job to represent us. Absolutely. When I'm talking about something like uh, a position like that, like, we're gonna move along. I think, I think we're gonna agree to agree again. Cut out but, the Doritos part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cut out right. the Doritos. We'll will we'll, we'll cut that out. All right. So um, our next question has to do with redistricting. Okay. All right. Um, I understand, and from you know some of my sources that you know there may be some. T- there may be some challenges. Uh um,
1: sources, Bob. What's going on?
0: I, I, you know, I, I know some people that know some people. Uh, but, you know, there may be some challenges in, 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 uh, with respect to maintaining that majority in the Senate uh, based on uh, redistricting. Uh, is the Democratic Party going to be able to hold on, hold the line, or uh, will you be casting that vote? They decide and vote what we're gonna do.
1: Well I can't predict the future. First I have to be elected. Mm-hmm. But secondly, we are, you know, the importance of this process, mm-hmm. redistricting, is not just the, the political process right. mm-hmm. or, or the political impact, but we have a census that allows us to reassess our state every year. And what we do with that information also has to do with funding, like how much money will go to schools, right. exactly. roads infrastructure all of these things that we are celebrating and the progress we're celebrating the thing is we need to make constitutionally fair maps i'm not
0: sure what you're you're referring to but well uh, don't don't they when they dist- they redistrict um the um representative based upon that same census correct
1: well, they will be, yes. And
0: that was a fiasco in and of itself, but that's a whole other show. That's a whole other show. But, uh, but uh, no, so I was saying that, you know, um, I, from my understanding that, you know, the way that the census, the numbers, like I say, was, it was awful the way it was done. It was cut short, and, and a couple of things happened. But um, how is how do you feel, like, is that going to affect um, the Democrats?
1: Well, I think, again... We as Democrats, and, or Republicans, we should not be choosing our voters. Mm-hmm. Our voters should be choosing us. And this is a process, right? Redistricting is a process. So I'm in support of fair maps, right? That is, that is just kind of fair and constitutionally fair maps. Secondly, I'm confident, this is my personal opinion, holla only, that we will hold on to the majority. And... That's going to be contingent on mm-hmm. who turns out this November 2nd. Because, again, we look at all of the issues that we've already talked about. Any of these circumstances when it comes to whether we're talking about future legislation, decisions on important issues, it all comes down to who has the majority in both chambers.
0: Right, exactly. Well, let's, let's move to our next question, and it's one of my favorite issues I've always been a big advocate of regionalism and i mean you guys up in in in, in nova you have it you guys got it under they they didn't took regionalism to a whole nother level with like three jurisdictions the dmv the district maryland and virginia so but they still you know they still call it nova mm-hmm. so we call it coastal virginia now so what do you call it coastal virginia we are cova you guys, I know you. This is your first time here of Coastal. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, know. okay. Well, yeah. Keep, keep coming, uh, but yeah. So we um no, really, we call it it's, it's Coastal Virginia, and the reason that that change was made mm-hmm. a few years ago, and it's, it's 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 still catching on. But a lot of businesses are changing their name from Hampton Roads to Coastal Virginia, and that came about because people would say Hampton Roads, and they were like, well, where, where is Hampton Roads? You know, uh, not. Not citizens of the Commonwealth. Oh, I was like, no, no, no. I'm talking about people that might live out in Utah or LA or wherever. Okay. When they say Hampton Roads, they're like, what? But when you say coast of Virginia, if you can look at a map, mm-hmm. you know, you know that, you know, hey, let's go down to the coast. You know, that's my Bruce Willis voice. Is it your Bruce Willis? <laughs> you know, uh, Die Hard. He said, hey, let's go down to the coast, let's vacation. Uh, but no, so. It's it's actually no it's it's, it's a yeah. thing. It's called Coastal Virginia. My actual business is just a shameless plug: Coastal Virginia Community Development Association. That's my LLC and my uh, nonprofit. But there are a lot of businesses um, that, that are in this uh, Hampton Roads area <laughs> that have you know changed over to that moniker. But really, my question is about regionalism. Regionalism, as far as and I know, you can't predict, but it's it's. It's not really like a – the question has to do with, like, if you had a magic wand, right? You know, and and with the uh, infrastructure bill that they're working on, if it ever gets through Congress, um, the House actually, believe it or not, um, and gets to Joe Biden's desk, uh, would you support having a a high-speed rail – just think about it. Close your eyes and think about it. No, a high-speed rail from Cova to Nova from – from down here, how fast it going to is gonna go bob like how fast I I'm think just- about one twenty one forty uh that's the going rate I think for high speed hmm. um high speed rail in in the northeast corridor uh all up and down the east coast that's where uh, Amtrak has this you know all of its most of its business, not all of it, but yeah, so that's just something to think about um mm-hmm. you know you'll have to you know weigh in on that <laughs> but you know, I think it would just just or even if they had a um A regular, because we're kind of a cul-de-sac here in Hampton Roads. That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, Yeah. 95 will run you from D.C. all the way to Atlanta. And unless you take that, you know, Mm -hmm. left on 64, you're not going to get to Hampton Roads. Or even from 85 going down um, through the Commonwealth. You know, we're a little cul-de-sac off to the left. So we need, you know, we need something that's a more direct route. So... It's just something to think about.
1: No, I mean, I, I like it. You know, I hope Biden's bill does pass because we need it, and it will offer some much-needed uh, funding to our communities. But to your point, you know, we do. We, Democrats would deliver, right? We've delivered some funding, um, and we do need to work on connecting more of Virginia.
0: Okay. All right. So um, one of the things that, and I always preach this, I always tell people, because one of the things that, that bothered me about some of our elected officials, particularly uh, not just in uh, the House, mm-hmm. and, but even on, on the um, municipal level. That, And I ask people all the time to come and, you know, people will say, who should I vote for? People actually do that. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I give yeah. my opinion. I don't have a problem with that. So,
1: well, you're uncut.
0: <laughs> and I'm uncut. And so my my thing is this, is that when you, when you um vote for someone, any politician, you should know What their what issue is? Mm -hmm. Like I said, you know, unfortunately, I mean, uh, Trump was build a wall. I mean, everybody knew that. I mean, uh, President Obama was health care, Obamacare. Everybody knew that. You know, if 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 it was dealing with me, if I was running for office, it'd probably be something to do with education or something. Uh, My question is, um, what would if they if they call your name, what what would your um, what would they associate you with? Your number one issue.
1: Well, I have several, but Medicaid, you know, it saved my life and my Mm -hmm. son's life. Like, I've shared my story on many platforms through my commercial. Let me tell you, when you are facing death Mm. and you know that you could lose your child, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: nothing is more scarier. I can't say nothing is more scarier, but But that is at the top of... You know, a personal experience that I never want to ever have again, mm. and no Virginian should ever have it either. That you know, makes sense.
0: that's that's a pretty good one. Are they going to expand it for dental for adults in Medicaid now? Or I know the children have it. I, I think I had a couple of people come and ask me about uh, dental for um, adults uh, within the uh, Medicaid, and it's been expanded. So that's another thing that. Um, Kudos to you guys. I mean, you guys did a great job. And we
1: had bipartisan support, but the thing about Medicaid is that who would have predicted a pandemic, right? Who could have said, if we did, just imagine the 500 plus thousand Virginians that have it now, right? Medicaid expansion. But now we have 700,000 people, to some of your point, plus 100,000 children who need access to affordable health care. So, again, Everything is on the line this November because the, the work that we have done. Vote. Vote. Vote like your Medicaid depends on it because it does. I know how much I needed it, and I know how many more Virginians need it.
0: All right. We're going to take one more quick break and uh, pay homage to our sponsors. We'll be right back with Hala Ayala, candidate for lieutenant governor for the great Commonwealth of Virginia.
1: Thank you. Love First Marriage Movement, where we work with couples virtually all over the world to transition from a place of pain to genuine peace and resilience from the inside out. We help them by sharing our own
0: marital rags to marital bliss journey. Check us out at lovefirstmarriagemovement.com.
1: Every time my children walk out the door, I hold my breath. What if they encounter the police? We had the talk, and I prayed they listened. But as a mom, the worry never goes away. So as a leader in Richmond, I demanded transparency and accountability from law enforcement, requiring body cameras, banning no-knock warrants. So no matter what you look like or where you live, every Virginia family should feel safe.
0: We are back with our special guest, uh Lieutenant Governor candidate, Hala Ayala. She's hey. I, I like to say Ayala is a <laughs> wonderful great name, great name. And so um Thank you. I just have a, a couple more questions. We're gonna uh she has a really busy schedule and you know um throughout the Commonwealth. Uh, you know, they she she's pounding the pavement, so she's doing she's running that campaign. So uh we're very fortunate to have had her for a guest, but I have a couple more questions. Um, this is the weed question. I always call it the weed question. The weed I, question. The weed, no, I'm gonna be professional. Uh, now, Virginia has legalized marijuana. No, not really. But Virginia
1: constitutional voice.
0: That's back on my constitutional voice. But I want to address the. Uh, they've, they've legalized marijuana, mm-hmm. and again, we have we got casinos coming. They legalized marijuana. I'm like, where am I living at? I'm like, I can't believe it that I'm living in Virginia is and, and people in, in and all over say, man, where is going on in Virginia? And and it's just I guess progress has happened so rapidly in a short, mm-hmm. relatively short time. It's it's you know, they are voting for Democrats or presidents. It's like it was like, whoa, I'm, I'm and I'm happy about it. Don't get me wrong. But my, my question has to do with um business owners and the um, investors, would they have a fair opportunity to um to come in and you know uh a lot of people spent time in in prison mm-hmm. over marijuana and a lot of you know people were pulled over and saying i know that that's eliminated where they can't say I smell smoke and pull you over but you know even with the um the gambling and stuff it has disprop- disproportionately affected you know uh uh communities of uh people of color so give me your thoughts on on how do you how you you know Kind of a forecast. I know it's it's, it's not, you know, how do you think it's all going to play out as far as uh, affecting uh, 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 disadvantaged communities? So I
1: would say we owe a great deal of thanks to uh, our governor who moved up legalization. That was his decision. Right. I remember. Um, Because we know that this, to everything you were just depicting, has disproportionately and unjustly targeted black and brown communities. Mm-hmm. That we do know. Um, secondly, the funding that we've, we're going to get from legalization is going to help our schools. It's going to help infrastructure. It's going to connect those dots within our communities. And rehabilitation, right? Um, we, heard, we heard the arguments, you know, on both sides, but this was the right thing to do because this law was a Jim Crow law that had... You know, like you're talking about pulling this over because you smell something, right? This was just unjustly targeting our black and brown communities. Now, when it comes to businesses, we need to do our due diligence to make sure there's fair and equitable opportunities. This is black and brown businesses. Right. Right. And within our community to have access to those licenses.
0: Okay. And finally, this, this is a portion of the show. Uh, this is your part of the show. My part and, of the show. Uh, make a closing argument. Tell us uh, why we're voting for you again. And also, if you want to, um, at the end of that, if you want to um, let us know your website sure. and all the information, how we can get in contact with you, uh, take it away.
1: I will take it away. Well, Bob, we're going to make history by electing the first Afro-Latina woman in the history of the Commonwealth, first woman of color in the 400 years. I'll be number 42 like Jackie Robinson, so okay, hopefully it's okay. the greatest if you're a
0: that's, that's baseball a good-
1: fan. But also, I am the only candidate with not only the lived experience, mm-hmm. but the legislative experience. So I'll bring that to the table. I'll bring every Virginian's voice, the voters' voices, and even this conversation with me to Richmond. I think one of the things you'll see out of my candidacy is that, you know, I, I, I hope that people take away that I care I'm compassionate, and I'm passionate about moving us forward and protecting all the measures and gains that we have made because it affects you, it affects me, it affects our future. So this November, vote like your life depends on it.
0: Like your life depends on it.
1: Because it does. Vote like your health care, your reproductive health care, the gun safety measures, the marijuana legalization, voter protections, are all on the ballot this November second. So to find out more about HALA, go to HALA for Virginia. That's H A L A F O R Virginia Spelled Out dot com. Get involved, get engaged, because again, democracy is not a spectator sport.
0: Okay, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. We really thank appreciate you. you taking time to uh, share your vision with our listeners and our viewers. And again, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Bob Z Uncut Community Views with our special guest, Hala Ayala, candidate for lieutenant governor for the Commonwealth of Virginia. Thank you, and we'll see you on the other end. Peace.
1: Peace.